Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 37. Today we're going to be talking about standards-based guide and outdoor leadership certifications. Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith. I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master main guide and in 1999, I founded the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident outdoors by using traditional skills, a few simple tools, and field-based experience. Whether you're looking to go from city slicker to competent outdoor professional, want to experience a remote expedition, or just want to learn a few new outdoor skills, we've got you covered. You can check out the show notes to this and all of our podcasts, at blog.jackmtn.com. When you're there, click on the podcast button. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Lastly, the best way to keep up with our programs and trips is to join our email newsletter. And you can do that at jmbnews.com. Hello and welcome back to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. Today for episode 37, uh, Ben, Christopher, and I are going to be talking about standards-based guide and outdoor leadership certifications. Um, We have those certifications in-house here, um, but we just want to flesh out a little bit of where they came from, what problems they solve, and our approach to them. So, uh, first of all, how are we doing today, gents? Excellent. Everything's going well. A little rainy, but spirits are high. Yeah. Yes, what he said. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks to coffee. Sweet, yes. Sweet coffee. Mm-hmm. So to begin our, our journey here today on the podcast, I wanted to just start with a little trip down memory lane. So um, a brief history of the primitive skills movement. Uh, at the Wood Smoke Rendezvous in Tetonia, Idaho a few years back, I, I can't remember if it was 12 or 13, 2012, 2013, I had the good fortune of sitting on a panel with with the titans of bushcraft and it's definitely debatable as to whether <laughs> i should have been included in that group but anyway it's it's all history now and it was um you know what an honor to be there on a panel with you know your your childhood boyhood idols and you know on the panel uh larry dean olson morris kahansky dave westcott the late great steve watts david holiday um so yeah what an honor to be to be seated with those guys who had such a huge impact on not only me, but if you're listening to this and you're interested in bushcraft or primitive skills or outdoor living, they have definitely had an impact on you. And, and you know, and it's, I don't want to be um, territorial. I don't want to limit it to those guys. There were lots of others out there, you know, for me personally, Raymond Rizzi was a huge impact. Um, I read all of Tom Brown Jr.'s books when I was a kid uh, Jim Riggs, his Blue Mountain Buckskin was super eye-opening, you know, and, and the list could go on and on and on. So it's not, a li- you know, the, the point is not to to uh, make too big of a deal out of the names on the list, but there were a lot, a lot of them. So, you know, when I was a kid, access to information was a huge thing. And you would find some random book about how to live in the woods. I think uh, when I was like 10 years old, my a grandparent of mine signed me up for the outdoor life book club and they would send a book like once a month and i remember early on i got a book uh how to live in the woods by bradford angier 
which just kind of opened my eyes to it. And then, and then my probably favorite book as a kid was Graves' Bushcraft. Mm-hmm. And he was a, uh, like, uh, SAS, uh, military guy, special forces from Australia, but just epic. I still have the book. It's in tatters. I still highly <laughs> value it. So, you know, the idea was that uh, during the pioneering movement in this country, in the United States and all, that, you know, those skills were used daily by people. But as we became more urbanized, and especially as the leave no trace and ultralight backpacking movements took over, woodcraft sort of was on the downslope or or what we call bushcraft now. Um, But these guys not only kept those fires burning, but also, you know, really... um, relearned a lot of the things that had been lost. I've heard David Holliday tell the story about him doing his very first hand drill fire and kind of bringing that back to the world. And mm-hmm. just, it's just awesome to hear, right? Yeah. Like uh, we should go around and, and record all the stories those old guys have now. And I, you know, say old guys, but I'm <laughs> getting up there myself uh, just because they would be awesome to have in a, in a library somewhere. How long ago would that, would that have been when, uh, when those things were 70s, happening? 70s. Sure. Um, but anyway, so, but back in the day, like when I got started 20 years ago doing this professionally, you know, having a couple of skills like that was, was pretty, pretty impressive. You know, the being able to make a fire by friction back in the day, that was a huge deal. You know, knowing how to make a couple of different shelters, that was a huge deal. Um, and, all that started to change around uh, 1994, 1993, 1994, the Bulletin of Primitive Technology was born. And that kind of brought all these people who were out there in random places on the landscape, learning, practicing, doing traditional skills. And, you know, for me anyway, that's right when I was getting out of undergraduate and it, and it really opened my eyes to the fact that, hey, you know, there are other people that are interested in these things that, that I'm interested in. And some of them are taking to them to a really high level. So as that publication, um, you know, went on and on, I think it ran for about 20 years. Yeah. Uh, it, it was just hugely eye-opening from a dissemination of information and skills perspective, but also uh, networking. You know, you started, started to learn who people were uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, what they were what they were into Mm. so you know that was then uh since then obviously the internet has been a big cultural change uh and with the internet and with the advent of youtube i think a lot of and with the advent of uh of survival reality tv Mm. i think a lot of people have been exposed to traditional skills that um you know in the past that sort of that number of people would have had to look really hard for things Mm. and and now they don't so uh, looking at the industry now, um, I think the uh, back in the 70s, if you had a kind of a woodsy upbringing and maybe you'd caught a few muskrats and traps uh, when you were in junior high, mm-hmm. that sort of gave you the, enough of a skill set to be an instructor mm-hmm. uh, of such things. Um, but, you know, where we're at now with people having seen lots of things demonstrated over time, uh, through YouTube, through television, through whatever, that to, I, I personally believe that, you know, to have dabbled a little bit here and there with things, I think no longer qualifies you to be a competent instructor. That the amount of knowledge that you need to have on a variety of different subjects and the amount of experience is such that, you know, it, it sort of it requires professional training. 
at this point. And this isn't to say that I think less of the those guys who were my heroes and mentors, um, not at all. You know, all very gifted individuals and, you know, just rare circumstances that allowed uh, mm. allowed them to do what they did. And, and we all benefit from it. So, mm. you know, nothing, nothing but respect for the old guard uh, mm. coming from me anyway. But... But it's a different world now. Would you guys? Would you guys agree? Yeah, I think we're you know more and more as the years go on, we're working with more informed students. You know, so not necessarily people who have mastered all of these skills, but certainly people who know a lot about a lot or a little about a lot. I should say. Um, yeah, it's it's not impressive. You know, if you can do the bow drill fire mm-hmm. now, it's it's not as mind blowing if you you can make that hand drill um, as it would have been. You know, thirty forty years ago, sure. you would have been. The only person in you know a thousand square miles maybe that could do that but that's just not the case anymore yeah i mean i think now you know you with professional training in in order to serve students well um you know instructor professional training or a professional training path for future instructors i think mm-hmm. there's a, a big demand for that you know every year there seem to be I don't know, a hundred new bushcraft or primitive or survival skills in the United States. And two years later, 95 of them are gone. And, you know, part of that is the economics involved, but I think part of it is the, you know, if you believe in the free market, maybe it sort of decides who the winners and losers are um, based on what they're offering. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think that we need to develop uh, as an industry, more professional training skills and parameters so sure and when you were getting started in this that's kind of how the idea for jack mountain bushcraft was born right just out on the trail um talking to people about the kind of course like you would want to take yeah exactly so the original long courses we ran were the you know we created the idea for them in the the, the actual the wilderness bushcraft semester the idea was created in a wall tent on the main quebec border on like a 14-day snowshoe expedition, February uh, 99, I think. Sure. Uh, but anyway, the um, yeah, the guiding principle has been create courses that that I would want to take, or that you know the people involved would want to right would want to take. Um, and so that didn't exist at that time, so far as at least in our part of the world, right? Yeah, as far as I know, like we were the first long-term immersion program where people would go and and live somewhere on site and just do it day after day for uh, originally we ran it for it was a 12-week course um, but since moving to the field school where we are currently with so little infrastructure sometimes the living here is pretty hard that (laughs) we shortened it to nine in order to minimize minimize burnout but but yeah so we decided hey let's start this long-term course in order to train the next level of uh or the next generation of professional guide leader and instructor sure um which you know leads us to kind of what we're at today you know having a as we as this field expands and more and more people get interested and people have different vastly different backgrounds you know maybe someone comes at it from being like a plant biologist and someone else is an anthropologist and Mm -hmm. another person is just really really good at being a craftsman and building things that i think to create a sort of standard is Mm -hmm. is something that is sorely needed and you know i like to think of the idea of uh uh taking a course Mm -hmm. you know attending a course is not the same thing as mastery 
of the material. So having standards-based documentation and assessment systems for instructors or guides is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's kind of where we find ourselves now, I think, with, uh, you know, in, inside of our own program here with the journeyman certification, um, attempting to, to kind of take that knowledge the, or the expectation for a student's knowledge to the next level beyond attendance and into mastery. And then the question becomes, um, you know, well, how do you do that? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think the <laughs> that's a very good question. <laughs> Ever evolving. So I think, you know, for one one example I think of is, is um, you know, attendance versus mastery on our courses um, is with the bow drill, for example. So someone who attends the course, uh, they might make, let's say, five bow drills over the, the course of the semester. And um, let's say all of those are made in the parking lot on a sunny day with one set that they carved the first day of the course that has been drying by the wood stove for a couple of weeks, you know, um, that's not a bad thing, you know, and maybe for that person, that is like the, the level of knowledge that they want to get to. Maybe for them, that's huge, but we're also working with people who really want to go deep. And I think it's true that within any, um, field of study that we're involved with at the field school, there's, I mean, they're, they're all very, very deep. So for, for the journeyman student, um, you know, someone who wants to be recognized as having gone above and beyond attendance, um, that person will need to, they need to do um, 25 bow drill fires. Um, more than that, there's a progression, a progression of difficulty that's associated with that. So maybe day one, you're doing um, that bow drill fire with, with the dry set um, that you made a week ago and has been drying out. But by 25, we expect you to be in the woods um, making a set from the land on the spot um, and going from coal all the way to f sustained fire. Um, that's, that's a very, very different thing um, between someone who just attends the course or someone who pushes themselves to that level, which is difficult in nine weeks, um, but which is also possible right. with hard work. And I think from the perspective of... Uh, from the perspective of someone wanting to be a future instructor, th there's a benefit to it not being easy. Absolutely. It's not an easy field to, to make yeah. a living in. And I think, you know, mm -hmm. learning that, hey, it's going to take some hard work to achieve these things. Uh, yeah. That's a benefit to me, not a curse. And I think I've learned over time, and I think this is especially true in our in, in our industry. Um, if you kind of lose faith with people, that's a hard thing to get back. You know, I experience, you know, here on the course, you know, like if I kind of overstep my bounds or pretend to know about something that I don't know mm -hmm. about, someone's going to catch me on that. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing to come back from. Um, you, you just can't do it. And, you know, if you expect to teach people and if you expect to offer them a real experience, you better be sure that you know what you're talking about and that you can facilitate that experience for them or people are going to find out. And that's that's a hard thing to come back from. Yeah. And I think the journeyman uh, program is set up in a way that um, the phrase we use, like to use is a minimum level of competency. And this, the journeyman certification kind of gives you a minimum level of competency in, um, in everything that's a part of it, whether that's yeah. fires or knowing about the, the ecosystem you're in and all that stuff yeah. that gives you a nice, yeah. a nice venue to learn that stuff and kind of set the bar at a certain level. It to is start not, with. it is not the end game. It's the no, totally, it's the absolutely point. the beginning. Um, we're not, we're not under the impression that, that someone who finished, you know, takes a nine week course and, and finishes all the work, you know, um, with the journeyman, which is quite a lot. Yeah. It's, it's quite a bit. It's very challenging for nine weeks. Um, but yeah, that's again, minimum level of competency. Mm -hmm. Um, so, these are really, really deep fields of study. Yeah. And you, we've, had, 
we've had the discussion about sort of the instructor's path here, or the path to instructorship here at Jack Mountain. And I think for both of you guys, it, it was roughly a, a two-year process. Yep. Yeah, the first think, step of which was yeah. the semester, but you know, continuing on, learning the systems, learning how to how to to organize the information, and then it just takes a lot of time that is maybe best spent when you're not living in a shelter in the woods to to do all the studies and things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think you know another really interesting thing is you know uh, along the course of my study. So it was I think it was about three years. Um, a little more than three years for me um, before we were we were up here teaching. And along that time, I had spent about a year away from here studying with other people and, and going to different schools. And just um, I, I had lived in Western Maine in a cabin um, for for a full year. And along that way, I'd met a lot of really, really knowledgeable people, um, you know, just guys who had been hunting up there or fishing up there or, or who knew a little bit about this or that. Um, and I had spent some time with them, um, but not everybody was a good teacher. Just knowing something is entirely different than being able to create meaningful educational experiences for people. They're entirely separate. You can know a lot, but that doesn't mean you know how to give it to someone else. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, uh, I went to hockey camp one summer. Um, so they would have, this was, you know, before, before home video, even I'll date myself, it was in black and white, <laughs> but <laughs> they had a the picture of, uh, they had a video of hockey, great Guy Lafleur, right. Mm-hmm. Who was a big player for the Montreal Canadians. And anyway, they were interviewing him and they said, Guy, how did you, I think he led the NHL in scoring that year. And they're like, Guy, how do you score so many goals? And Guy looked at the camera and he says, puck on stick, shoot, score. <laughs> so like. Clearly, he demonstrated an amazing level of ability to score goals sure. like that. But I doubt that anybody gained anything yeah. useful from listening to him explain yeah. Yeah. how he did it. So someone who's a high performer in a certain field does not necessarily translate to uh, being a good teacher of mm-hmm. that field. And so it's an interesting discussion to get into, especially with the, the bushcraft education world. Does it become more important to be the guy who knows a thousand things? Or does it become more important to be the guy who knows 10 things, but can give an individual person each one of those 10 things, right? Um, I don't know the answer. Yeah, I don't, sure. I'm not. I think the, expectation, the, the, the expectation is that you're the person that knows a thousand things. But as far as the value of that, not very valuable if I am only know enough about education to give you one of them. I would also add that there's a difference between education and infotainment. Sure. And I think if someone is kind of lecturing at you and throwing fact after fact after mm. factoid, I don't know the difference between a fact and a factoid, but I figured factoids, <laughs> factoids are from Mars. Okay. That's true. So a fact, 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 and someone sitting there scribbling things in a notebook, when they leave, they haven't, I mean, they've been exposed to information, but it yeah. doesn't necessarily translate to learning. Whereas mm. if the person running the, the course has more of a teaching uh, philosophy of trying to, you know, where the goal is to, instead of uh, impress the student with their vast knowledge, but it's rather to set up situations where the student's going to learn something useful. Mm. You know, I just think the two, they're, they're often conflated, but they are not the same thing. Sure. Um, anyway. Uh, so the way that we run the journeyman, it is, it is, it is, oh, Love that one. The way that we run the journeyman, it is a add-on to the current courses that we already run. So the journeyman uh, certification that we offer is specifically 
coinciding with the wilderness bushcraft semester. So the way that someone would get involved is to sign up and take the wilderness bushcraft semester and then, you know, ask to be enrolled in the journeyman. And we've got a big 316 page workbook that focuses on documenting everything for the journeyman specifically. Uh, There's a testing protocol with various uh, testing rubrics and things that people have to pass in order to do it. And I think we charge an extra hundred bucks to cover all the, the sure. extra paperwork, all the extra work and labor on our part. Um, yeah. But, you know, if you're in the bushcraft or guiding or outdoor skills realm because you want to go the professional track, it represents professional training. And again, I have nothing but respect for the old guard. But, you know, at this point uh, here at Jack Mountain, we've got uh, two articulation agreements with colleges set up um, and things like that. You know, things like getting in, involved with the, with the Veterans Administration and offering training that way, offering training at a university level for credit. You have to have in order to pull that off, you have to have some significant uh, some significant chops, if you will, in order sure. to in order to be, you know, sort of eligible to walk in that realm. And just relying on something I learned from, you know, from my grandfather when I was five years old, uh, just probably doesn't, probably doesn't cut it. And, but I think that that's still the greatest first step is to have like an older mentor kind of get you interested. Sure. But those things, those things are still valid. That thing, you know, that, that person taught you or you learned in that context it's totally valid, but again, we're talking about there's a difference between knowing something and teaching it at a high level. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for yeah. Thank you for taking my <laughs> half hour of rambling discussion <laughs> and summing it up in one sentence. That's why I'm here. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I also think there's something to be said for um, as you you know you mentioned we have uh, agreements with colleges and stuff like that that. The industry we work in now isn't just like, you know, you know, a guy that lives down the river that guides trips like it's a professional industry. That's a huge economic uh, force. Yeah, exactly. And so so as that becomes more and more professional and more and more, I hesitate to use the word mainstream, but that's kind of what it has become now is that you you need to I think it's a good thing to be able to you know look at what someone has done and documented and not just be like I know I know Chris he lives down by the river and he takes me canoeing sometimes like I would like to know that the person that takes me canoeing knows how to do it rather than just full disclosure Chris does live down by the river in a van uh (laughs) whoa whoa I live up from the river in in a van i do live in a van uh, so we decided yesterday the next if you're listening to this and you're a budding entrepreneur the next big money making idea that you can take away from this podcast and start making money tomorrow is uh you know canoe guiding as shared canoe ride hosting so we're starting a business called Canuber. it's like canoe uber uh and we'll have an app and you know if you wanted to go canoeing you could just jump in with somebody we can get you from uh Masardas to ashland in, that's it in an hour that's it it's our first route <laughs> wicked good ice cream at the end though yeah so, it worth it absolutely worth yeah. it the takeout it's is. a three-hour trip pulling back up the river but i don't know ever since i saw gilligan's island as a kid i'll go for a two-hour tour i'll go for a four-hour tour but i won't sign on for a three-hour tour oh my god <laughs> Oh my God! Anyway, what did we miss here? Did we miss anything? I think we, oh, I think we kind of summed I think it up. The journeyman is something we're going to be talking about more and more as mm-hmm. as we move along. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, 
Right. People may people may have not find that on our website right now. Is that correct? Yeah, we're not ever gonna just sort of release the journeyman stuff. Um, over twenty years, we've had just about everything we've ever posted plagiarized and people steal it and claim it as their own and so it's you know it's something that represents a significant amount of work so it's going to be something that we uh you know we'll hold our cards close to our chest and uh the the way to really engage with it is to is to sign up and and be a student with it but sure you know we're not under the under the uh impression that everybody listening to this is going to suddenly sign up for a semester course but we want to just talk about it and sort of our thought process behind um, a standards-based certification system. And I, I, to add to that, I think that the idea of uh, the journeyman being removed from the, the semester itself totally nullifies the value of it. I think that the value doesn't just come from working, you know, like, like we say a lot, like sitting in your backyard and working through the journeyman yeah. doesn't really matter. But being up here where you're doing all those skills, working on all those skills every day and putting them to practical use to live for two and a half months up here, that's where the value is, not in working through the workbook. The workbook sure. is just a guide to the skills that we already encourage people to learn here. Absolutely. And I think it also stops people from collecting. Like people mm -hmm. want to collect resources and yeah. not engage with it. Like sure. ultimately, if you had a copy of the workbook on your shelf, it's not going to do anything for you. No. It's the skills that you're doing uh, and the things that you're doing that you document mm -hmm. in the workbook that matters. So having yeah. a copy of it laying around yeah. wouldn't help you all that much. No. Yeah. And even though it's not out there on out there on the Internet to be to be. Uh, to be used by whomever may want to. Um, it's always something we're happy to talk about and all our phone sure. numbers, all our emails are up on the website. And, you know, I think it's something we're excited about and uh, totally willing to, to chat with people about. So if you have questions, yeah, please get in touch. Yeah, by all means. Well, that, I guess that wraps it up. Yeah. Yep. Thank you for listening to episode 37. If you enjoyed this, if you find it useful, um, please leave us a review wherever you listen to it. And, uh, and that's it. Adios.